Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. Once again, we're at Amon's table. Uh, we've got a few topics to go over this week, but first we're going to introduce Chris. What's up, Chris? What's up, Chad? And the first question we ask everybody that comes on the podcast, first poor whiskey you ever had? Uh, it was probably uh, Jack Daniels and like a Jack and Coke, so nothing too fancy. Best thing you ever had? Uh, that one's tougher. The, the, there's kind of two that stick out in my mind. The thing that I kind of really go to now has been phenomenal is like an Anderson Club 15-year pre-fire Heaven Hill. Uh, a lot of them were imported from Japan as a result. And then the other thing that I sticks out in my mind right now is we went to Willet last year and there was this bottle of rye that they called Center and Saints that was just really in my wheelhouse. If I could find a bottle of that, I'd probably pay some insane money for. All right. What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Oh, the MC barrel. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we got some topics to go over this week. First, I got to clear my throat from whatever was in there before I got here. Um, do y'all want to do... Is there any particular topic you all wanted to go over first? Um, why don't you go grab one of those bottles of that NBC barrel pick and we'll talk about that. Well, we could do that towards the end. We don't need to do that right now. All right. Um, but is there any topics you all wanted to, uh, in particular? Maybe this Elijah Craig barrel proof uh, situation. Okay, so the news of the day. Barrel? Yeah. The Elijah Craig barrel proof picks that are now available that Heaven Hill has pushed off forever. <clears throat> Amon, you might have some insight into this since store owner. Um, yeah, so I spoke with my contact today, and uh, what they're doing is that, a la Weller, if you get a Weller pick, you get a choice as to you want a 107 or a foolproof. Same with Heaven Hill, you can choose if you want a 94 proof pick or the foolproof pick. And the price is going up on both of those. Okay. The uh, store picks will be priced higher than the shelfies of uh, the same genre. Like if you can find a twenty-four dollar ninety-four proof on the shelf, the store pick will be about thirty-seven to forty dollars. And if you see a full proof, which is about sixty-five bucks to sixty-nine bucks on the shelf, it'll be about eighty to ninety bucks. But then again, the full proof on the shelf is usually twelve years old, and the store picks are nine to ten years old, from what he told me. Okay. It's good to know. Yeah. Anybody else have anything to say? Chris, you got anything to say about the Elijah Craig barrel proof? I mean, I'm surprised it's taken this long to happen. I mean, you've heard about a number of people going and doing picks with them and are just like, why? They're tasting it and like, why can't I get it this? Why do you have to proof it down to 94? So this is something that's long awaited. I don't think it's going to hurt it at all, but I don't think you're going to see many 94 proof picks anymore i mean it's going to go the same way the weller has where they're all foolproof or barrel proof and you know, like you look at the old forester yeah that's what i was gonna they're say. all the barrel proof like no one's doing that hundred yeah. yep you got something to say bill hicks uh yeah i think um i think it's really interesting i know it's more allocated than i think uh, i initially thought it would be but uh, a lot of the willet bottles tend to be having hill juice at around that same age and proof, so I don't really know how that's going to affect the secondary on those bottles or um, necessarily the desirability of them. But these won't have a fancy shield on the front of them, so I'm right. sure the price they don't will have be the lower. Tater foil, and you know, there's 
there's a few factors in there that I think will maybe um, keep Willett at you know at that extra pedestal of interest. But um, it's nice to be able to see this at least coming into distro. Well, you got all the Willett fanboys out there that push all the Willett stuff up higher than what it should be anyway. For sure. Sort of yes. like Smooth Ambler, but not quite as many rich people into Smooth Ambler as there is uh, Willett. Right. Right. Maybe someone will post an article saying that this isn't uh, Will it isn't uh, Heaven Hill? Who's uh, who? Is, who would post something like that? I, I d- don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you got something to say? No, I'm, I'm good. All right, Dan's good on this subject. All right, we'll move on to the next thing. Oh, this is a good one, Dan. What is your definition of a tater? Right here. Don't say that about Justina. I mean, in general. In general, to me, it's just a it's a bottle. I, you know, that's what I consider a tater. Someone, a group that gets together you. and makes their bottles look stupid to try to get people to buy their bottles. Okay. And most of them suck. Stupid <laughs> is in the eye of the beholder. But they most of them suck. <laughs> the, the more shit you put on it, it seems like the worse the booze is. Bill? Um, I think a tater is someone who's enthusiastic but dumb. Okay. Amon, do you want to answer this one? I think you want to, and you don't want to embarrass anybody that comes in your store. No, no, it's all good. I think <laughs> a little self-realization and is not a bad thing for most people. I think a tater is an aficionado, an enthusiast who does silly things to acquire a bottle that they really want. And then they use social media to flaunt that said bottle and then not open it. And uh, there's some derogatory connotation to the term. But then again. Term of endearment. Right. But then again, say whatever, but they drive the market. You put a lot of thought into that. A lot yeah, more than I The did. questions were sent overnight. They drive, they drive a portion of the market, <laughs> they drive the secondary market. Exactly. I mean, they drive the market even from the retail perspective for us. If uh, something comes in, they're the first people who ask about the bottle, want the bottle, and then drive the whole market, which we love and hate. I feel like I'm being called a tater at this moment. Yeah. You're like <laughs> sneaker You're a tater. It's a personal attack. How many times have you asked for Blanton's today? Uh, not today. <laughs> today. <laughs> that rye is really good. The Jack Daniels rye. Not ever. I kind of agree with these guys on basically what it is, but I think the important thing to note, too, is that we all have a bit of tater, and it's all subjective as well. I mean, like, the the longer you're in the game, the, the dumber things that you're going to have done before. I mean, and there's always people that are looking at what people are buying now, and they're like, ah, oh, I got that for $100 three years ago. I paid ago. a nickel for that back in the day. I mean... It's like talking to Peeper all the time. So pay $5 for a fifth. Thanks a lot. (laughs) So it's really just, as they were saying, it's people being enthusiastic and trying to catch up and doing some stuff that's probably not the smartest thing to do. But then again, we've all done it. My definition of a tater is somebody that overpays for shitty whiskey. Yeah. Um, But you've done that. I have never done that. Never done that. Although I have bought some picks that weren't very good, but I didn't overpay for them. Uh, 
now it's sort of morphed into people that add wax and, and stickers and all that jazz to it. But that I think at its core, that's what I think it is. To cover the bad booze. Sometimes. I think a lot of people I think a lot of people add stickers and wax to it just because it's fun. A lot of people do that. Some people do it because they pick their whiskey wasn't great. Well, and I get it, but then they're thinking they're gonna add value to their whiskey. And wax doesn't to me doesn't add value to a whiskey. It's a perceived value. Well, Makes so it harder to open. To the younger people, yes, it is. Huh. Well, when makes it's it harder hobby, to open, so it decreases the value of my opinion. A lot of things with your hobby to make it more interesting, more fun. And Tater the noun is the person, and tateriness, as you said, the verb, that's what they try to do. Yeah. Mon's I mean, getting all, like, well, he's all technical serious tonight. and technical with it. <laughs> Nouns and verbs and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Don't play them in Scrabble. <laughs> That's it wouldn't right. take much to educate me. You should be taking notes. I, if I had notepad, <laughs> I Someone might. should record this. That's what my boss keeps telling me. I need to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, since we've all defined what we think a tater is, is it good or bad for the industry? Good. Good. I think Objectively it's, good. I think good. it's very good. It's good because these are new people coming to the fold who want to drink whiskey if their intentions are not that, eventually they do become that. There's a learning curve to anything we try to do. They're just on the bottom rung. But they keep climbing those steps, and eventually they start drinking whiskey, appreciating it, and that just increasing the base of whiskey. So I'd say it's good. I feel like Dan's going to have a different answer to this. Uh, I get, it. I get where Ron's coming from. I don't know if it's good or if it's bad. Um, it's good until they start buying the stuff I well, want. Well, you know, yeah, okay. I guess I need to shut up. <laughs> no, that's not point of a podcast is not to shut up. Just to voice your opinion. Say your piece, Dan. Well, no, I, I just personally think that it's what you're doing to the market is killing the market. In it's, what way? For the people that want to actually drink bourbon and enjoy bourbon, they're running up the cost of stuff. You know, 90% of what you see bought at... Total wine, discount liquor, you can buy on Facebook a day later, two days later. They're not drinking it. They're flipping it for money. Or to Mons. Or to Mons. <laughs> but that's all they're doing is flipping it for money. They're not into bourbon. They're into making money. So they're hurting the market, I believe. Those, are, those aren't taters, though. Yeah, they are. They're in it for the money. Right, but I don't, most, I most people, yeah, most people, if they get a prized bottle... The dollar signs are huge. So well, I, not I just the taters, even a regular drinker, I've seen people flip bottles. So I don't know if that is a good barometer to... Well, you know, I see if you bought a bottle, say, for 1000 bucks, <clears throat> it's almost a drinker. But if you bought it for 1000 and it's worth 5000 then it's not a drinker. There's a difference. Sure. I think I fall somewhere in between the two. I think it's good for the market when it comes to people that are trying to sell. Uh, it drives people to the store. Uh, it, it helps to a certain extent. I think it's bad for people like yourself, myself. I mean, well, pretty much here. all of us to a certain extent that are trying to buy stuff that we're actually going to drink. Uh, I do like the wax and the, and the stickers. I don't mind that. I don't think that's always a bad thing. I think it's fun. But like I've been stickers. doing stickers for a long-ass time, so... It's just a personal preference, and I pick good bottles, so I'm not doing it to 
to, yeah. to tater and like sell it, I could sell it anyway. It's a different baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh oh. I think the biggest issue with the idea of a of a tater is I think at times the bourbon community drove ourselves into making taters because we're all on social media. It's true. And when you see people that have been in the game, I mean, we we post the pictures of the cool things, so that's what people think they need to drink. So then they go out and hunt it, which just builds on itself. Whereas they don't realize that we started drinking Turkey One Hundred One or some of the bottom shelf stuff. But when you go on, but when you see what people post on social media. Most people are posting bigger bottles, and they're like, "Okay, so that's what I need. I need to start." They're talking a game bottles. Yeah, they're swinging. <laughs> right every time. I mean, you scroll Instagram, you go on face all the Facebook groups that everybody's a part of. What would you want to buy if all you see is what we're posting, which is those big bottles? They're gonna go hunt those things out and pay crazy money. They're not gonna look to the journey that people take. They're gonna go, you know. People jump into hobbies. They want to go to the top. I don't care what the hobby is. But the journey is the best part of the whole trip. Yeah, of course. But I think you're always going to have those people that get into any hobby. I mean, we're all into different things. Most people don't, you know, jump in and start, you know, low. And then gradually they're like, I'm going to buy the best thing I can afford. And if they're into bourbon, they're going to go out in the secondary market and find those things. That's a good point. Yeah, good point. John just jumped in to make a good point, and he's like, I'm out. Peace. To add on to that, I feel like um, part of the the logic behind jumping to the highest echelon that they can right away is um, indicative of their lack of appreciation of bourbon in general. And because they're afraid, like, oh, you know, if I buy this Russell's 101, I'm not going to enjoy that. Maybe I got to buy Pappy 15. And then. You know, there's a whole lot of psychological um, weight with that purchase, so they're they're really more uh, inclined to enjoy that bottle of Pappy that they spent, you know, fifteen hundred dollars on. Well, there's a lack of education that leads to that, yes. right? I that mean, goes back to the right. dumb and enthusiastic. They, they literally yes. were educated by a picture on Instagram. Yeah. Right, which is very attractive. There's a lot of likes on it, a lot of comments on it. That's what they want. So when they come to a store, that's, that's when the opportunity nowadays, is so. to educate. Where someone can tell them, you know, these bottles are almost unattainable at the price that they would come. So try bourbon. Try these bourbons. Bottom shelfers are easy to attain bourbons and see if you actually like and then get into it and slowly get up there. Like I said, the bottom rung, which you reach for the top, you it gotta, takes time to get there with you, the learning curve. you got to start at the bottom and work your way up. Right. Honestly. And that's why good groups like the Speakeasy of Wisconsin and that sort of thing are important because you can get in there and you can meet people that have some good stuff and go to shares and that sort of stuff. And, and where you really get to kind of try some of those palate-expanding pours. I mean, I remember when I did my first blind, I tried to... I, I put a bottle of Booker's in it, and I thought, oh, this is, a, this is a 95 whiskey. This is great kind of thing. But then as I got more experience, and I tried more things, and I realized where bourbon can really go, and at that point you're like, all right, well, that stuff that I used to think was amazing is now, yeah, it's good, but it's not hugely special, whereas some of these really kind of far out, pours that you can find now from Dusty's or the rare limited editions, they're they're just on a different level. Right. 
good on that? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody said their peas? Yeah, I think so. I'll right. so. so like we'll, say a little more. Okay. <laughs> we're going to do one more uh, one that's not going to invoke so much uh, discussion, and then we'll do we'll cut it off and we'll start another one so we can get two in today quick. So, <clears throat> celebrity whiskey. So who, who? What are the celebrities who have whiskeys now? I know William H Macy has Woody Creek. I think Matthew I McConaughey has Long Branch. Long Branch. Bob Dylan has Heaven's Door. Terry Bradshaw has what? Bradshaw. <laughs> There's uh, Sweeney um, Creek or whatever. That's Metallica like has Blackened. And if you go to Irish whiskeys, of course, there's Proper Twelve from Conor McGregor. Uh, there's uh, that's what comes to mind for bourbon, especially. Well, and the Peyton Manning one, that the Sweeney oh, yeah. Creek or whatever it's yes, called. Yes, which was Tennessee whiskey and sold for two hundred dollars a bottle, yeah. and they were sold out. Fourteen Very year reasonable. Dickel. Yeah. Spe- speaking of Conor McGregor, I saw that uh, cutout when I was walking in. Yeah. I was like, "Who the hell is walking out here with that swag like that?" <laughs> As I was picking my shit up out of the car. <laughs> Last year at Galena, I went. Uh, I went to the proper twelve uh, table, and I asked them when Connor was going to get there, and they just looked at me like I was nuts. It's <laughs> like, when's Connor showing up? It's a valid He's question. <laughs> so around St. Patrick's Day, you'll start seeing all these Irish whiskey promotions and cutouts. So that's why. Well, that's always interesting. Yeah. So what what are the general thoughts on celebrity whiskeys? Well, Any- the the thing I would say about it is that. Y- Within the the enthusiast community, people crap on them all the time and that sort of stuff. But the the they're main thing to targets. remember is that they're not for us. I mean, Blackened isn't for the bourbon enthusiast. It's for the Metallica fan. I mean, Peyton Manning's whatever he's doing. Like no one's going out there and taking that stuff seriously. It's like Peyton. We've Manning. done very calculated marketing, and this seems to be a good niche. Yeah. Have you ever tried Long Branch? That is Marianne Marianne Barnes did that though. Yeah, I mean, so they I'm brought sure in a celebrity blender as well. And I'm sure it's decent. I'm not sure it's worth whatever they paid for it. I mean, I do find it more interesting on how involved these people are. Like the the Slipknot one, number nine or whatever. Like he's picking a distillery that's near his home, and he's actually helped blending it and that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of kind of involvement there. That said, I'm not a big fan of Cedar Ridge myself, so I don't think I've tried it. But Is that who does their stuff? Yeah. Amon, do you have one of your uh, old Foresters open? I do. We could do that as the last pour for this one. Sure. If you want to. We also have the new Nopec. Or we could do that if it's open. Here somewhere. Yeah, it's right here. All right. That's cool. <coughs> I just want to make it. And then, I'll go, pour, but and then I'll go down and get the NBC out of the car. And we sure. can do that oh, for the second definitely. one. Definitely. So, anybody else? Got anything to say about celebrity whiskeys? No, I just have you ever tried Long Branch? I'm not a big fan of the stuff. I'm not a big fan of proof down uh, turkey. It's it's a name trying to sell a product. But like Chris was saying, though, most of those products are not for the people on this podcast at the moment. They are, but but they're for the taters that buy the shit, buy the shit up, or people people that are new. I think you know they got some good stuff. I mean, I think the baselines are kind of weird. We got to try. the Heaven's Door 26 year that was finished in that Japanese Mizunura yeah. cast. Yeah, we tried it here, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it it was pretty good. I don't know if it's $500 good, but it's it's pretty freaking good stuff. I well, tried it at an establishment the celebrity whiskeys obviously are to push the brand of the said celebrity and appeal to their fan base and sell some liquid. 
and create some sustainability through it that people keep buying that stuff. Um, like when Wild Turkey did with Matthew McConaughey with Long Branch, and it's his mesquite because he's from Texas and mesquite's from Texas. And I think they tried. Things. It was not whiskey driven, it was story driven concept. And it sells, some people like it, but it's not. For mass consumption, for sure. All right, all and, right, all right. And we just have to remember whiskey. That's right. We just have to remember that <laughs> the people that are bourbon enthusiasts listening to bourbon podcasts and that sort of stuff—that's not the market that these things are for. It's really not for enthusiasts at all. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, you look at Heaven's Door again, Bob Dylan fan-driven, and it's all mostly Dickel juice. And enthusiasts don't like Dickel juice, from what I understand. You think Bob Dylan has a little Dickel or a big Dickel? A big dickle. Big dickle. dickle. <laughs> I believe I have some dickle juice right here. Yeah. Do you think that's what Oak Carter is? Yeah, batch one, it, bourbon. I, it yeah. says distilled in Tennessee. Well, I guess that would make sure that makes sense. <laughs> Has anybody had a good celebrity whiskey? Have you had the Bradshaw? I, mean, I have not actually. Everywhere now. I have not had it. Um, they definitely are pushing it hard, and I will try it eventually, but nobody's brought a sample bottle out. <laughs> I tried the Long Branch, wasn't impressed. Well, you're a foolproof whiskey drinker, yeah, though. Yeah, that's my problem. If it's I mean, not 120 proof, it's not worth drinking. I had the Blackened, and, like, David Pickerel, Dave Pickerel came out here, like, a year or so or two years ago to talk about it, and we talked with him about it for a while. I mean, and it's decent, but, it, again, it's not for the enthusiast. It's it's for beginners and, and Metallica fans. We're pouring the uh, Knob Creek for the final. If you want to talk about it. Do you have anything to say about Celebrity Whiskeys? Um, I think they're great. Great products. Um, no issues. Um, I'm happy to see them on the shelf. All right. Well, I guess that's... There's at least one guy, I guess. For a job. Bob, if you're listening, um, I need a gate. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. That's right. All right. Well, for the final pour of the evening, we're going to, or the afternoon, we're going to do a Knob Creek pick done by Mons. It's called, uh, what, Peanut Brittle? Peanut Brittle, yeah. yeah. Did you wax that yourself? It yes. looks professionally waxed. That was professionally waxed. I got some So, we'll let Mons start off with what he, uh, what he gets from his liquids. So, this was a barrel we picked in October, I want to say. Um, to me, this was uh, the best of the two barrels we picked that day, and I get a lot of peanut on the nose. It's very nut-driven. Um, Is that something you normally find in Knob Creeks? Right. House profile, but this has a little extra punch of it. And a little extra nut? Yep, a little extra nut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lots of caramel behind it yes. on the palate. I, I made a mind, so he had to giggle a little bit on that one. <laughs> Good amount of oak to finish it off. I like this whiskey a lot. Bill, you got anything to say? Your blender um, glass? I, I will mirror those sentiments. Uh, it's got a ton of peanut, ton of caramel. It's oily, smooth. It doesn't have you know too much of a tannic oak finish on it. How uh, dare you use the word smooth? Smooth. People are going to be after your ass after they hear this podcast. In, co- in Luckily, context, I think it's acceptable. There. Okay. <laughs> it is smooth. <laughs> yeah, when we actually did this pick, we actually got three awesome samples, so it was a really tough choice. I mean, 
Uh, personally, I like the other one we did. I think it was Last Supper. Was the name of, it was, I like that one. Yeah, Supper's good, too. No, Supper was the one before that. Last Supper? Late Supper. Late Supper, whatever. Late I can't Supper. Remember. Anyway, I, I like that one a little bit better. Than this one. I was a little bit thicker, a little bit oiler, <laughs> I, but know, they were both great. Last Supper, they had a picture of Amon in a Jesus robe. Yeah, I couldn't pull that off <laughs> for multiple reasons. I don't know if that would fly in the Wind Lake uh, region. Or any region. Or any region. They might not have to go back home. You'd be surprised at what flies in the bourbon community now and sticker-wise. Pretty much anything. I don't think I would be. Since the Riff Patino sticker, that pretty much anything flies. All right, well, we're right at 30 minutes, so uh, anybody got anything to say in closing? Bon, you want to give us the location of the store? Um, yeah, the store is in Wind Lake. Uh, it's 26210 West Loomis Road. It's on 36. And um, the terrace is within the store. And it's a pretty fun place. Anybody that comes in, in the next two weeks, get $5 off if you say rubber baby bumpy bumpers. <laughs> <laughs> you got a big $50 order at least. That's false. <laughs> Just don't tell Phil. <laughs> Dan, you got anything to say in closing? No, I'm good. I think right. I said my piece. Phil? Phil's going to be at the bar just flabbergasted. All these people are coming in. <laughs> Rubber baby bumpers. <laughs> That'd be fun to watch. They said $5. I, mean, I was only going to $5 off. There's only like 20 people that listen to this anyway. So if anyone asks Phil to go on a bike ride, I will give them $5. Does he like bike rides? We keep going and we might get 25 people. Long bike rides. <laughs> All right, well, we'll cut it off here. Uh, Until next time, enjoy your pours and enjoy your family. Awesome.